0: to Cab Blood, ain't ya? Thank you for joining us at Now Playing for our Friday the 13th retrospective. With all the excitement of the Michael Bay remake of Friday the 13th coming out on Friday, February 13th, we here at Now Playing will be looking back at all of the installments in the Friday the 13th movie franchise. From Crystal Lake to New York to Deep Space. You'll never come back again. It's got a death curse. Just a quick warning up front, these are R-rated movies that barely made it past the MPAA, and our discussions of the movies are just as R-rated. And also, these reviews will contain major spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Today we're talking about Friday the 13th, the final chapter. No fancy numbers in the title this time, no part four. This is just Friday the 13th. The final chapter. This is Brock, co-host of Now Playing, and with me today are... Stuart from L.A.
1: Arnie from Springfield, Illinois. I just want to say about part four, this is the first Friday the 13th. Even though I'd seen the others in VCR, this was the first one that caught my attention in theaters. This one had a big marketing blitz, and I remember this is the one that kind of made me go... Huh, they're ending the story on part four, because Stuart, you and I were together on the playground, and we both talked about how they were going to make 13 <laughs> of these movies, and how they were going to finally kill Jason in part 13, that was the big urban legend, and here it was, part four of the final chapter, and we just all kind of went, oh. What about the other nine?
2: Which begs the question, did Paramount really think they were making a final chapter, or was this the only gimmick they had to selling the fourth movie?
1: I can answer that, as I have done some research. The filmmakers, who are not Paramount, considered this the final chapter. They'd spent enough time of their own personal time on it. All of these movies were basically independently produced, non-union films that were made by the production company in new jersey and then paramount bought distribution rights and that's why it was so cheap for paramount to make these and the people who'd been making these movies said you know done and so they considered it the final chapter only after it made paramount a lot of money did paramount say no no not done <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: the final chapter is chapter 11 always they as long as it's profitable. They're not going to ever stop.
0: So you said the last one made the most money of all the sequels, but then they continued the series after the final chapter because this one did make a lot of money, you said. What was the – do you have the figures in front of you, Mr. Research? I don't have
1: the number, but this one is the – again, not counting Freddy versus Jason, which just blew everything out of the water. Right. This is the second highest grossing sequel of all of them. So it's just behind part three. And keep in mind, these movies, when I say they made a lot of money, we're talking in the 20 millions or 30 millions, not the 200 millions. But they only had a budget of about 1.5 to $2 million. So you're adding $18 million to your bottom line and not spending a whole lot of effort to do it. So if you're a business, wouldn't you? Right. And the majority of these movies opened at number one in the box office. If you look at part three, it opened the same weekend as Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Friday the 13th Part 3 was number one. Fast Times was number seven. Mm. Just saying they made some money.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So right away when I was watching this movie, I was brought in right away. I'm not sure about you two, but I could tell an instant difference in the quality of this movie from the get-go.
1: I agree. This is the first one that felt like an actual movie to me. They'd upped the production level. Also, they'd upped the casting. For the first time, instead of hiring a bunch of unknowns, and the casting process on the previous movies was always, they have the look. We don't care if they can read the lines because nobody cares what they say. Mm. They look like the role they're supposed to play, and they can die well. (laughs) But here we have... A bunch of people who actually have acting resumes. One of them, the guy who played Teddy, had done some work for NBC. He had an NBC sitcom contract or something. We've got Crispin Glover. We've got Corey Feldman, who had done some movies in the past. They actually had acting actors instead of wannabe actors Mm -hmm. and the one thing that i noticed in this was the music i felt like this was the first movie that might have actually had a soundtrack like a multimedia tie-in in in order to promote it more it just felt more like a studio picture instead of an indie schlock film.
0: One of the first things I noticed in this movie was the score, because when you first come up and the mask is there, I mean, I don't like the explosion behind the mask, but the music there was so much more effective to me than that cheesy disco kind of music from part three. And throughout the entire movie, I thought the music really helps out the tone, helps set the staging, helped the ambiance of the movie. And, you know, I would almost think that they would keep this going and reuse this music over and over again. But then again, I was just happy they didn't bring back the disco stuff. So.
2: Well, the only thing that I really recall music-wise, the music cue that is most memorable is, the, of course, the... <laughs> which they've had since the beginning. And I'm glad they never lost that because, you know, now that they figured out it's a hockey mask and that, I feel like they really know what they're doing. And I agree, this one feels like, and now we're going to make it with a budget that legitimizes it.
1: Now, this movie picks up right where part three left off. It's You could almost put these together and have a Gandhi-length movie because Jason is still dead in the barn and they're taking him to the morgue.
0: A Gandhi-length movie? A Gandhi-length movie? You're comparing Friday the 13th to Gandhi? I don't care if it's about just the length, but to compare the two movies,
2: I mean... (laughs) Pacifist biography, slasher film. So much in common.
1: Guess which ones I've watched multiple times, and guess which one I've seen once. (laughs) I will never
2: watch
0: Gandhi again, and I guarantee
1: (laughs) I'll see these movies again before I die.
0: Sir Jason Voorhees.
1: (laughs) So we have Jason taken to the morgue, where there's a horny necrophiliac pathologist.
0: Well, look, if you were working in a morgue with that nurse and watching workout videos, I would get... Where could brain- I buy that workout video? I, I, I would go for fitness. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, and he reminded me of that guy from Police Academy. It's not the same guy. But the guy from Pol- Police Academy movies who's the the clumsy guy, you know, the spackler, I think, with the the glasses, who always does the great slapstick stuff, like the boards hitting people or the falls and the slips, or he's always oblivious to the chaos he is causing. He reminded me of that guy so much, I was hoping he would do a pratfall, but unfortunately, he did not.
2: No, things kind of go as expected. Yeah, even though they haul in Jason's body... You know, we all are sitting there, we know, you know. I, I was a little disappointed they didn't even do anything to bring him back to life. Usually there's a gimmick like lightning hits him or something like that. No, he's just <laughs> sitting there, with, biding his time, twiddling his thumbs, you know, maybe playing Cat's Cradle. I don't know. But eventually, of course, he sits up from the body bag, takes out the perverted uh, coroner guy and the sexually harassed nurse who wasn't even in the area. Like, he had to go out of his way to go hunt, hunt her down and kill right. him.
1: In the medicine cabinet, no less. The locked medicine <laughs> room with all the narcotics. Jason is following her. But I have to say, Jason in the morgue sequence. Let's look at two things. First of all, there was no revival. But we've already said the Friday the 13th series is a direct Halloween ripoff. And in Halloween, one of the things that Carpenter set up is Michael Myers is, for whatever reason, unstoppable. He gets shot, he gets thrown out a window, and you expect him to be dead. He doesn't even slow down. And so at this point, Jason is in that vein. There's no stopping him. And that. Helps set up the ending where you just can't stop him. There's no need for revival because he doesn't need revival. Mm-hmm thus setting up the ending of this film. But the second thing that I thought was very effective in this scene is when he's being put in the refrigerator. The mortician is putting Jason in the refrigerator, and right before he closes the door, you see a cold breath come from Jason. The first sign of Jason's life is that steam breath coming through the mask. And I don't know why they took him to the morgue in mask, (laughs) but (laughs) that was such an effective thing to have that steam, right, there is like oh yeah I don't know why Vanilla Ice was watching it with me
2: but uh, I, I, I was a little less complimentary to the scene I felt like Uh, It was a ripoff of Halloween 2, which, as you remember, Michael Myers mostly spent his time in a hospital. You know, it's just like, oh, now they're just directly aping another Halloween movie.
1: And then we have a whole new group of teenagers coming to the lake. We're back in a lake. We're not at a farm. One thing I had is there's also a family living at the lake, a non-nuclear family. We've got a single mother, her daughter, and her son. Wouldn't these people, because we are now on, what, Sunday the 15th?
2: Yeah, it's Sunday, and it bleeds over into Monday. Yeah.
1: Wouldn't these people kind of... Wouldn't the cops be going door to door? Yeah, there's a lot of dead people. Are you okay? And wouldn't these people not be, perhaps Partying so much as hunkering down,
0: especially once he gets out of the hospital. And you know, I don't know how realistic this is. Also, considering these teenagers are off on a school night up into the lake, what are they taking? Is it a? It's a summer. It's summer. I was was kidding. It's in
1: New Jersey. If they're swimming in winter, there'd be some harder nipples on the set.
0: All right, all right, I was just kidding. But the family situation I thought was interesting is that they don't seem to really know about Jason, unless I'm completely wrong. At all. They only know about this halfway through the movie when don't they pick up the newspaper clippings or something from the the brother from the girl in the second movie who's there to go after Jason? Because that's how Corey Feldman finds out about Jason. But no one else besides that guy knows about Jason. Am I, am I, did I miss something?
2: They're all playing video games. They're all making Monster Mash. Nobody, yeah, they live in their own little world, jogging or whatever. And, yeah, they're not paying attention to the fact that, you know, about 30 people are dead down the road.
1: Well, keep in mind, I mean, it's a far cry from in 1979 when the girl walks in, where's Camp Crystal Lake? And Stewards said, everybody got the bug eyes. And now everybody's like, oh, this is... Camp Blood? I didn't
2: know that. Well, in that rental market, I guess you you take what you can get, but I don't understand why you wouldn't make some preparations after the serial killer has gone missing again, and, you know, all of your neighbors are in Body Bay.
0: It's a big lake, and they're on the other side of it? Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. But in this side of the lake, there's better acting and better looking people. Much better. Yeah, I was really impressed by this movie. I don't know how much you guys noticed this, but I was really, really happy this movie went back to not only having better acting in things, but uh, the framing of the shots were better. The kills were more clever. There was a variety to everything that was going on. Uh, the only thing I consistently saw that was cheesy was every single time they heard a noise someone would call out, is that you? Or, Tommy, is that you? Is that you, so-and-so? And it was always calling out into the dark instead of walking over to the light, turning the light on, and seeing if somebody's there. That happened throughout the entire movie, which is the only thing I noticed that was weird. But the rest of the time, I really felt it really, really worked much better than it did in the last movie, more to closer to the first two movies in the way it was progressed and how the kills happened and all that. I may be covering a lot of topics here, but I just want to stay on topic of the fact of this movie was so much better structured, I got pulled in almost immediately and had a good time watching it.
1: I'd like to add to that. This is the first movie where there were actually some characters on screen that I didn't hate. Right. I believed the friendship between the Teddy and the Crispin Glover character, you know, that kind of contentious high school or early college friendship where, you know, the guy's really an asshole, but he's also your friend and, you you know, all of the love triangles, even though my problem with this one was so many of the girls looked alike that I had trouble keeping track of who was a love triangle with who. And then you had the big sister and the Corey Feldman character. Really, these were better characters than before, and I'm not going to say any of them I was really mourning their death, but at least they weren't like we've been saying about the previous movies, we weren't rooting for Jason to come and kill the bad actors. Here, they they were believable, and the first maybe half hour of their movie felt a lot like an animal house or any teen sex comedy from that period, because God knows there was enough nudity in this one, yes. and even to the point of having twins, and it's you can almost believe for a period – that this movie could have worked had it been rewritten as, like, a sexual dramedy instead of having Jason come and slaughter them all.
2: I think the wild card for me was Crispin Glover. He's, you know, a a character actor who's always off doing his own thing. And um, I really appreciated sort of the weird energy that he brings to, you know, even his most toss-away roles. I think he does a dance scene in this movie. I may not remember much about this movie, ten years from now, but I will remember his dance to the heavy metal music.
0: Yeah, it was fantastic. It was it also I think Patrick Dempsey might have copied that for Can't Buy Me Love, that horrible <laughs> dance sequence. I want to agree with you on Crispin Glover here too, in that Uh, He had these run-of-the-mill sort of lines, and he delivered them in his, I guess the way he phrased it or the way he put emotionality behind it, that you really got behind this character. And that's completely the actor taking the material he has and doing everything he can with it. And this is a Friday the 13th movie. So I really was on board with him. and I really think he was one of the reasons i got so into the movie
2: yeah once the, he got the corkscrew in the hand or whatever i was i was kind of done with it because <laughs> i felt like he was way more interesting than a, than a lot of them
0: with his performance there and other things that are so good about this movie you can forgive things that we might actually bring up and say what like that the his dorky friend being so entertained with these black and white movies of naked chicks dancing to the point where he ignores everything else around him for what like 20 minutes of the movie. He's also very I, I, stoned. He's smoking weed, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, well, oh really? I did not catch that. I did not <laughs> realize. But I uh, still I mean stoned or not it also set up a fantastic kill with the sound effects and through the screen the whole thing was just beautiful in context (laughs) it's not Gandhi or anything Uh, but it's um, it certainly is because of the quality of everything up to that point you're more forgiving as the movie goes on for things I'd be like what? Yeah.
2: yeah It's also nice to see Corey Feldman not looking so toady. You know, when I think about Corey Feldman, I think of this real unctuous, toady little guy, and he always kind of played that character. But in this one, he was just like a cute kid. So I could buy him a little bit better than I would in future roles like Dream a Little Dream.
1: And let's talk about Corey Feldman. First of all, he had a career at this point. He was somewhat of a name actor. He'd been in a couple other movies.
2: I think he'd done a lot of TV special episode kind of stuff. Right. I think this came out the same year as Gremlins, which he had a bit part in, and the year before Goonies. So he was just about to become... He hadn't found his other Corey, so I feel like... (laughs) <laughs> um, he, he wasn't fully developed yet, but he was, he was blossoming anyway.
1: But he was the first child to be at Camp Crystal Lake, which is, you know, camps you usually think of children. Mm. This is the first time we have an actual youngster in danger. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, but it's not actually at the camp. We should probably mention that, that he's on the same lake, but it's not actually at the camp. Well, yes. But yes, you're absolutely right. And since part two, where they had the wheelchair guy, when, and then last movie when they killed a pregnant girl, thinking, oh my god, they're going to kill a kid? So that was interesting to me. Of course, they don't kill the kid, but you could see the progression there of my brain working, like, oh my god. Mm -hmm.
1: And then we have the hunter guy who Brock mentioned earlier, who is the brother of Sandra, the girl who died in the double impolation in part two. Now that's a throwaway reference if I ever heard one, because I never can keep track of the victims' names. But I had to look up. He says he's Sandra's brother. It turns out there was a Sandra in part two. So two days ago, his sister was killed, and now he's there and under the guise of hunting bear. But as Corey Feldman says, there's no bear. But wait, I thought there were bear.
2: I mean, would she have even been buried yet? Is what I would be. Like, has the body even returned to the family? And he's already off in the woods, knows who killed her, is going to hunt him down, has these newspaper clippings. uh, Like, like, I'm like, this came out of the paper yesterday. Like, they're all weathered and old and yellow. I'm like, how did you pull this together so quickly? It seems a little rash.
0: And not only that, he has a twenty two with him, and he's saying, yeah. I'm hunting for bears. Dude, you need a shotgun for bears. And furthermore, if you're hunting a serial killer, a shotgun's a better idea than a twenty two. So, I don't know. The whole thing reeked of weird to me as well, For and we all have different reasons on why. But I got to tell you something. It, did, it made no sense to me at all that he would camp in a tent in the woods where the killer lives. You would think- sure, it's called bait. <laughs> Well, I don't know how Gandhi would have done it, but I do know <laughs> that if he was going to hunt a guy who lives in the woods, that he probably would find some lodging or something because it's a little safer than actually bunking out in the woods.
1: Do you think Jason's going to show up at the local lodge, <laughs> or do you think Jason's going to kill the person in a tent?
0: Well, in the movie context, yes, but – all right, forget it. <laughs> He's <laughs> Maybe, done his homework. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I think the character would have made a lot more sense if he was the brother of somebody from the original. And maybe yes. he was coming back and had known about it for years. But he's acting like the wise old sage. And I'm like, it's been two days. It's been two days since your sister died. I mean, her body would have gone to the morgue yesterday. And you're out in the woods hunting with the gun. I, it just it doesn't work. But I like the idea of it. I mean, he's basically there to fill in the backstory for Corey and his sister. Because... They don't know anything. I, they they live there, and they they don't... Killing, we don't know anything about this.
1: He can play Zaxxon, but they don't have a TV. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that says everything, doesn't it? Just a C64. But I kind of
1: thought, in watching this movie, trying to go with fresh eyes, that he was set up as the hero. He's the kind of a bounty hunter. He's going to be a badass. He's got guns. He's going to have a showdown with Jason, and it's going to be a rumble in the campground i agree and instead we get he's killing me he's killing me what in it was yeah,
2: what it was as if we couldn't figure it out from the knife going in and out of his stomach he helpfully screams about 10 times he's killing me
1: he's kind of like mustafa from the austin power films and now the knife is going into my chest And now it is being pulled back out. And now it is in my clavicle.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the guy was a douche. Uh, And, of course, this all sets it up for um, Tommy, which is the Corey Feldman character, and his sister Trish to be the one to finish the deed, as it were. The mom just totally disappears. I think they didn't want to bother with her. She was too old to have her get naked, and they just... I don't know if they filmed the kill and then just didn't include it in the final edit, but it's weird. She's just kind of walking around in the rain, and then we see her look of shock. But we I never saw a body. Did
0: you? Yeah, I agree. No, I, I missed it, too. I think no. maybe... They figured out that of all the actual good acting in this movie, her terrible acting was death enough for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I could think <laughs> of, and that's the best joke I could think for also. But seriously speaking, I thought I missed something, and I was going to ask you about that. So here are my notes. Did I miss the mom's kill? I guess I'm not the only one.
1: No, no. It's, no, that was an off-screen kill.
2: She's just gone. I, I, th- I honestly think that they think that you only want to see hot young bodies getting it, and she's out of the age bracket. Well,
1: it's also similar to Steve Christie, although we do see Steve Christie's body later. But he also, we just get a look of shock. We never see the kill.
0: But you made a good point. I don't mind not seeing the actual kill. I believe in the first movie also, the girl who got killed in the archery range, her Mm -hmm. body just shows up later. Same with the guy in the door who's stuck with our arrows. I don't think we see him get killed, but I could be wrong. It's been a while since, what it's been a week or three (laughs) since I've watched it. But the point I'm trying to make is... If we don't see the mother get killed, fine, but if we see her body fly through a window or if you open a closet in there, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that'd be more effective. We don't even see the body, so therefore she could be, you know, be off at Chuck E. Cheese for all we know. It, right. it doesn't make any I, sense. I thought she was
2: going to come back much like Muffin in Part 2, the little she-too that we presume is dead, to come back and do something, and indeed – they, I, I feel like they didn't even want the character. It was like, oh, we have to have the mom there because that explains why there's a child there. But we have no interest in really exploring who this mom is, and we can't wait to get her off screen.
1: Now, Tommy, we have him in this movie as a mask maker, special effects artist. Obviously, an homage to Tom Savini, who came back to do the makeup for this one. But I don't ever see how that pays off, because at the end, he's just shaving his head. Right. I
2: thought they were setting us up for something. That it seems to be that this final chapter is about not ending the series, but ending Jason and that we're led to believe that through the traumatic climactic battle, in which Corey actually has to pick up a machete himself, that he'll snap and he'll be the new killer for however long they can keep this franchise going. I thought by having him make masks and be into horror, that was a nice little setup for whatever mask he was going to wear in the future installments. All of this, of course, I'm presuming, and they don't actually do. So uh, (laughs) what was your thought on this?
1: I have to say that if that is the case, and at the end, we're given the stare of, like, something's really snapped in his brain because he he went medieval on Jason, just mis- hacking him and hacking him and screaming, die. And you got to think, if you look at the famous killer's names, you got Jason, Freddy, Tommy. I mean, it fits. It's two syllables. It's a common name. You know, you could see it being Tommy the killer.
0: Yeah, and I also thought the same thing also, especially because of that stare, I thought they took a little too long with him shaving his head and cutting his head while his sister's getting attacked and or killed downstairs. But I guess he had to go through that transformation and it sort of worked. But I was really hoping that they were setting us up for something. And maybe we're getting a little too far ahead of ourselves at this point. But I really kind of dug the ending that the kid had to take him out. It's kind of perverse, but at the same time, I thought it really worked. Did you guys think it worked or not?
2: it was sort of an homage to what happened at the end of part two if if you remember that one jenny is cornered in the room where Mrs. Warhees' head has been turned into an altar, and a sweater's lying there, and she says, well, the only way I can stop this madman is if I pretend to be his mother. Well, this is just the flip side of this. Corey's going to pretend to be Jason as he was a kid. But to me, this opens up a big plot hole, which is that the only reason Corey knows anything about Jason as a kid is because he's reading a newspaper clipping that Rob had. And the newspaper clipping has a front-page picture of Jason's rotted, dead body. I'm like, who does that? You know, who runs a newspaper spread where they say, kid's been killed, and they show the corpse? No, they show him, like, his school photo from second grade or something. They don't show the corpse. They're not going to show you him. It was actually
1: an artist's sketch. I think it was an artist's sketch of what they think Jason looks like during the killings. It wasn't the he died photo. It was a Jason's out in the woods killing you. Here's an artist's sketch of what we think he looked like as a kid when he drowned.
2: You're telling me the newspaper was running a story about a zombie? And that didn't get picked up by the majors? They had to go with the local, and these people don't know about it. A zombie is out there killing?
1: I think the byline was by Jack McGee. Wow.
0: I want to bring up well, a couple of things that I thought were really cool about the movie. I felt that the twins getting it was fun for me because they seemed overly aggressive. And for, we've had some aggressive women in these movies, but for once it was the women who were really into it over the men. And then you also, for the flip side, you have a virgin as well, so they act ax- Not when she dies, they got it on in the shower Well that's why and she st- dies Right, 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 right. but the character was a virgin and then you have the yes. horned dog guys I really like that they had a variety of horny teen, it was not just you know, uh, your triple generic horny teen, it was like a sampler of different kinds of horny teen, and you know, that's a little bit, dare I say refreshing, in that It really helped the movie have characters you care about. I also like the fact that they had the girl on the lake get it in the boat. Finally, a girl goes in a boat, not at the end of the movie. (laughs) I'm always harping on this boat. She's actually going for a nice, casual, moonlight boat ride when it's appropriate, or appropriate to me anyway, that she would do that. Of course, nude, of course. But what gets me is the only thing I found weird about that scene was Jason didn't pop the boat. He let the boat sit there for the girl's body to be found.
2: No, but, and it should have popped because the way that she dies is she gets it from underneath, right? You know like he sticks no- something from under the boat?
0: no, there's no inflatable under the boat. It's actually like one of those inflatable canoes they used to have in the 80s that only the surrounding part think Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom which is one of the reasons that makes no sense they land on the side of a mountain and, and survive is that there's no cushion underneath there's only cushions on the side to make it float it's just a flat bottom like Oh, it's like a, a thank kind of you, bottom Brock
2: of you have explained yeah. something that was just nagging at me which is that yes, when the boyfriend goes there the the thing is still inflated and she's still laying there. I'm like that would have sank like Jay why is she
0: still there? Well, actually, it may have sunk because the water obviously would come through the hole and then like weigh it down. Yeah. And go. But the floating sides of it, it didn't look like there was a hole in the boat at all. It still looked like the boat was completely intact, but it still probably would have floated some until the water overtook it, and then it would be like half sunk, half floating. But it, st- it completely floated on top of the boat. But now we're getting into physics, I guess, but <laughs> yeah. or whatever yeah. science. And I also like the banana imagery when the woman got killed the canadian
1: what did she do to deserve death we, she she doesn't have sex
2: she was hitchhiking hitchhiking is a kill that was what killed that annoying girl in the first one if you hitchhike you will you will pay for it you cannot well, you know, hitchhike.
0: oh i thought it was just because she was canadian <laughs> <laughs> well the last movie we had that guy in the convenience store he was just you know going against his diet he's <laughs> eating all the junk food and he gets killed so I was like maybe the standards of what re- makes it okay for Jason to kill somebody have been lax now that hey, we're it's going it's nutritious
2: with the- a banana but you know the thing I thought about her she looks so weird and all like she doesn't look like a part of it I honestly felt like when I saw that scene I felt like it was like we need another kill this movie's boring we need to have something happen before we get to this stuff 20 minutes from now and they just had like a grip we're like let's get a grip out here well we won't have to pay her as much because we'll give her a sign she won't actually have to speak it's a non-speaking part it's this 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 very gruff woman comes out of the woods holds up a sign saying what does something about hitchhiking in canada or something peace and love and then, or
1: something and then the other side says fuck you
2: Yes, and then sits down, and as she's eating her banana, Jason comes up,
1: and... and Again, I think that that was kind of showing the path of Jason as he's walking back to camp, but then once he gets to camp, I felt like the path that we'd followed Jason, the little Billy from Family Circus path, didn't work, because he goes into the house, kills... Crispin Glover goes out of the house, kills a twin, goes back in the house. He 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 lost his logical flow with that axe to the head. I think he was, you know, not quite all right.
0: I noticed that as well. And I think for this movie, I'm being a little more forgiving in noticing all these things and making like points – about how bad it was because how actually well-made it was, comparatively speaking. True.
1: I I dare say that this is the best of the four we've watched in terms of production quality and because of that, entertainment value.
0: I have to agree. Like At the end, when she falls out of the window of the house, you could see the ground give, like the crash mat underneath the dirt, but I don't mind because I thought the scene worked. The shower guy getting killed in the shower didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me how the glass of the window didn't cut into his chest that much, whatever, but again, those kind of things I noticed, but I'm not holding it against the movie because I enjoyed watching it so much that I'm willing to give him a little more concessions because I'm going along for the ride.
2: Well, I I half agree with you guys. Uh, The production value is higher. It feels like a quality movie. But at this point in the game, we've seen this movie so many times, I was still really bored. And I don't think... I, I was As I was watching this, it really occurred to me, like, I don't even think the intention is to scare people. I really think it's about titillating them. Like, I imagine all the people that would go to this, like, what a great date movie in the 80s. It would be like, if you wanted your girl to just, you know, curl up next to you and you watch all these naked kids and, and doing all of this stuff... This is what they did. I feel like, you know, Jason's like the Dr. roof. you know, he's getting people together. He's making it happen. I didn't feel like this was scary at all. I felt like at this point, it's kind of a parody of itself and a better looking parody of itself, but still didn't have anything other than the fact that it was proclaiming to be the last one to offer that was new.
0: You know, Stuart, I don't know if, if I have to be scared by this movie to enjoy it. I think the first two, I think, were really going more for the scary. The last one was going for something. This one, is, I thought, was really just going for a movie that people got killed and saw some clever deaths. I honestly didn't need to be scared by this one. At this point, it was a, a cold gust of wind to my face, you know, a, a nice, welcoming... Entry to the series because it, it was better than the last one and a higher quality, so so it didn't scare me so much. As long as it's it's worth my time, I didn't feel like I was wasting my time as much. You know what I mean? So because are these movies ever really scary? Since the first one, I mean, the second one had some scarier moments, but after that last one. They need all the credit yes. they could get, you know?
2: Yeah. After the last one, everything had changed. And like I said, with the last one, it felt like they created the formula, and now it's just about plugging kids into a formula. So although they have better things to plug into, I just felt this one, I was starting to chafe from the unoriginality of it. I did feel like there was a little shining here. Did other people pick that up when with the kid, with Corey and all of this, that... He and his sister, they're in the bathroom. It kind of reminded me, and, and Jason's hacking his way in there, it kind of reminded me of that scene with Jack Nicholson trying to get to Shelley Duvall. And, and did anybody pick that up, or that was just me? I
1: didn't, but now that you say it, yeah. it doesn't And I think sense.
2: Corey Feldman even auditioned for that role. I think he was up for that shining role, and that may be why he landed this role. Well,
1: <laughs> which actor's working today and which actor isn't?
2: <laughs> but what is the act, working actor working on? Maybe that's more important. <laughs>
1: Lost Boys the Tribe, baby. Lost Boys the Tribe. (laughs) Lost Boys the Tribe. (laughs) Now, if this had been the end of Jason, is it satisfactory? The machete going through the head, the dying, is this a good retirement party for jason because i feel like had the series ended now it would have ended on a high note and it was a pretty fitting end to what has been so far an inauspicious series to be honest jason hadn't done anything to make him a classic beyond the hockey mask which had only been around for a movie and a half i think it was a good send-off i think it was a high note to end on i agree
2: Yeah, sure. The only thing I would say is I wish the death had been more definitive. The problem is when you make something indestructible is that we never believe you, ever. When you say, well, now he really is dead. Okay, just because you put a machete in him nine times, to me, doesn't say dead anymore. I I don't think I would be satisfied until the last molecule had been, you know, burned up, incinerated or something. I'm not sure what death they could create that would make me believe that, yes, he's finally, truly, totally gone.
0: You know, I disagree with that, Stuart, because for two reasons. One, if you're watching this when it first came out, A, the movie's called The Final Chapter, and B, that Corey Feldman stare to the camera at the end. They really made you believe that this was it for him. And I thought it worked. And I think, as Arnie said, it worked for the fitting end for Jason. But that's just my opinion.
2: Well, All well right. the problem is... We're watching the final chapter knowing that we have to watch, what, seven more of these things. So maybe it's just the cynicism of knowing that this is far
0: from over. Well, for us, yes, now I, I agree. So we, I guess we've kind of exhausted this conversation for today. Let me ask you guys, would you recommend Friday the 13th, the final chapter, Stuart?
2: Um, I would recommend it if you have enjoyed the Friday the 13th series. If you have not, this is not going to change your mind.
1: I would recommend this... And I don't even think that the previous films are prerequisites for this. In fact, perhaps they add some unnecessary baggage, such as the guy's sister died two days ago, whereas if you just know she died in some vague previous movie, I think it's the high point of the series. It's the best made. It's not exactly scary beyond just the blood and guts, but it definitely has the most interesting characters. It's definitely a period of its time, the 80s with the clothes and the video games and whatnot, but... Best so far, recommend to anyone.
0: And I would recommend this, especially if you've seen the first movie, I'd say you could actually, as you said, Arnie, you could watch the first one and then watch this one. You don't even have to watch the next two, the part two and part three. And if you're looking for a Friday the 13th movie and you don't know a lot about the series, if you have never watched any of them, I would recommend you watch this one as as a one-shot even. Because they they also have the recap in the beginning uh, of the first three movies. So frankly, I think I would recommend this in the context of the series, outside the context of the series, if you've never seen them, this one would be the one to watch thus far.
1: I just want to think that every American out there today knows the hockey mask is Jason, Friday the 13th is Jason. So if you're going to just watch this one, it's not like you don't know Jason's the killer before you ever push play on the DVD player. The question is, how well is it executed? I think this one was executed very well, no pun intended on the whole execution. <laughs>
0: Well well made. Well thanks guys for joining us'll we'll, we'll see you for part five. can't wait <laughs> <laughs> Yes you can <laughs> Thank you for listening to our Friday the 13th retrospective. We will be reviewing two Friday the 13th episodes each week up to the release of the new movie in February. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com to get the latest episodes. If you did. if you did, if you date, you, did. If you, did. If you did.
1: Now Playing is a production of Venganza Media Incorporated, all rights reserved.